Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Heather McDonald has got the juices scoop. When you're on the road, when you're on the go, Juicy Scoop is the show to know. She talks Hollywood tales for real life, Mr. Sacred Serial Data and Serial Sister. You'll be addicted and addicted fast to the number one tabloid real life podcast. Listen in, listen up. Woo woo. Heather McDonald. Juicy Scoop. Hello and welcome to Juicy Scoop. Well, I have a killer show for you. I am so excited to share with you my interview with Christine from Sister Wives. It's everything I thought it would be. She was so honest. I asked so many questions. She answered every single one of them. And it was really enlightening conversation that even if you don't watch the show, I think you'll find fascinating. But let's get into some hot topics first before we get to that. So we now know the cause of Matthew Perry's death. And unfortunately, it was ketamine, enough to put someone asleep for general surgery. So people use this you hear Special K, people use a little of it, I guess, to party, but it's also used in medical procedures. And he was um, having this therapy done, but it had almost been a whole week since he had had it. So they know that it wasn't from that therapy since they found it in his system. They know that he must have taken it shortly before he got into the jacuzzi because it only lasts in your system three to four hours. But he had 34, 3540, 3,540 NG slash MLs. I don't know what that means. But for general anesthesia, when you use this ketamine for that, it's between 1,000 and 6,000. And he had over 3,500. So it was an enormous amount. And so what these doctors are speculating is that he must have taken it, gotten in the jacuzzi, and it just gets to the point where you really relax or, you know, or become unconscious. And so he must have become unconscious and then slipped under the water and drowned. But anybody that's using it for fun or recreational purposes would know not to go swimming or do something like that. So it's really sad, really unfortunate, but I'm glad that we have some answers. Hopefully this be a warning to anybody that is messing with this stuff um, and certainly not to go into a jacuzzi or a pool or a, a bathtub by yourself whenever you're on this. And just so sad he did, he was able to start some foundations for addiction before he passed. But my God, all the money in the world, millions and millions of dollars, the most popular show in the last 30 years was he was a star of Friends. They were getting a million an episode. It's just so sad. So, you know, let's hope that people take better care of themselves in the 2024. Um, 
Amanda Bynes. She started a podcast. She had one episode and she has announced, I am taking a break from my podcast. I'm putting it on pause. Um, there's probably more to it or maybe not. Um, she's like, we're just not able to get the guests I thought we were going to get. We aren't able to get um, Jack Har uh, Harlow or Drake or Post Malone. And therefore, since I can't secure those interviews after I've only had my podcast for one week, um, I'm out. I'm quitting. And um, maybe I'll be back. Maybe I won't. But like, unless Drake comes on my podcast or Post Malone, like, why am I even bothering? So... You know, listen, I wish her well. I hope she becomes creative and, you know, stays on a good path. But as someone that has been doing this for eight and a half years, um, there's something quite satisfying about somebody who realizes how hard it is and then just decides to quit after one episode. So, you know what? It's not that easy, people. Um, oh, awful vid video footage came out over the weekend. I'm not exactly sure when this fight went down, it was pretty recent. It was Kim and Croy. We now know one of their kids called the police and said, it looked like my dad might have been um, hitting my mom. When the police came, she was in her Range Rover. She said, I just came back from a hair appointment and he's freaking out. So I'm staying in my car. One of the kids called the police and he was just like yelling at yelling about his life, how he has nothing. No one listens to him. She's sleeping with other guys. She's gambled away their money. They have no house, no job, no nothing. And the comments were like, you know, well, what's your job? And then other comments were like, why is she still have a Range Rover and getting her hair done if they have no money? And, but most of them were just like, this is so sad for the family and the kids. And why are they living together? Can they please stop living together so that there's some peace for these kids so now she is started a instagram where she's selling all his stuff she's selling uh Corey's luggage and his shoes and all of his items she's been selling her own stuff for a while so they're selling off their possessions but people are digging up videos from reunions of where she's like don't worry my husband Corey is very successful he's in the nfl we know this won't last forever but right now yeah yeah we have a hundred fifty thousand dollar car yeah i buy um three wigs a week that are worth ten thousand dollars i don't know but people are like yeah and she's like oh yeah cashmere cosmetics made over 15 million dollars and porsche's like mm, that's some kim k type of money like of course it wasn't gonna last of course they were ridiculous overspenders she does have a history of gambling you know, he, it wasn't that he didn't have a job. His job was managing the household and the family. And they, they did so many paid sponsors, um, Instagram ads and things like that, which is, are not willy nilly. They take a lot of effort. They take time to secure. They take time to film. So it's not like they were like doing nothing, but they were obviously living way beyond their means. And, um, but he did just post like a little thing. Thank you for all your support. Cause a lot of people are like, feeling for him at this point like did he did she ruin his life and also they never at the his parents were not at the wedding and he has as long as as much as we know as the public he has been estranged from his parents since he and kim got together so it'll be interesting to see if he makes up with his parents at all but that's what's going on there bad bunny and kendall jenner broke up i don't really care uh, Taylor Swift, it was her birthday and her dad was there at the Chiefs game 
and she had a cute little like Santa chief's hat on and it was her birthday and he was cutting up her cake and giving it to other people in the, um, whatever the box next to them. And I, you guys, it's happening. It is all happening. I am since the beginning, I am sticking with it. I am convinced that these two are going to get married and probably have kids and maybe stay together forever. Hopefully, if they get married, they will. But this is a significant relationship. It will be go down in history as one of her long-term relationships, hopefully her last. But that is my prediction. Good for her. Oh, my God, you guys. Real Ultimate Girls Trip Legacy Edition St. Bart's three episodes out on Peacock. I smiled for three hours watching this on Sunday. I I posted about it. I tagged all the girls. I talked to Luann on the phone. I was like, Luann, it's so good. It's so, so funny. It really, I really listen to me bravo because you know I have great ideas. And I want to say, I still am going to say, I uh, there is strong evidence that this whole idea for a show came from me because when I first started doing my live juicy scoops when nobody else was doing live podcasts really um in the in the Bravo realm I did one in New York at the city winery and I had Dorinda and she was my live guest and I was like who would you want to be on an island with and why and I did it from from her her uh cast but then i started doing it with other housewives from different casts and they would justify it well ramona would get the hot guys and this one would know how to cook and and then the ultimate girls trip came about i'm just saying just saying it's a great idea i also think it would be fun to do more of a survivor um episode as well but for right now i think we love to see the girls looking glamorous i think we love to see a beautiful place it's saint bart's it's gorgeous they have great dresses they have bright colored earrings it's fun to watch on it it's ramona uh, sonia luann and dorinda and then they brought back kelly besimone who was most famous for eating her jelly beans on scary island and which bethany said go to they brought her back. She's a realtor now, still looking gorgeous. And Kristen Takeman, who's also a model and a mom who lives here in Calabasas, who has been on Juicy Scoop. So I think this is a perfect cast. I love watching it. it and, you know, Dorinda is there and she's looking beautiful and she's funny and she's saying all her great one-liners and she's like you know what Kristen you were fired I was put on pause and there is a difference and if you you know what pigeons don't don't fly with eagles guess who the eagle is I'm the eagle and they're like wait what is this like, yes you know just stop it just stop then they bring hot guys over and they're just like these guys are a little young. Is there anybody that's a professional waiter on on this island over forty? I mean, come on. I mean, do we need babysitters? Who's who's? Is there a, you know? And oh my gosh, it's just like it is so funny. You have to watch it. It's so good. They get into some juicy stuff. Of course, they're asking Kristen Takeman about her very long marriage, but eight years ago, which was right when they didn't ask her back to be on the show. Ashley Madison came out, which is a dating website. There's even been, I think, a documentary about it where it was like, life is short, have an affair. It's for married people that want to have affairs with other married people. They don't want to leave, leave their spouse. So everyone kind of knows the rules. We're not going to fall in love. And listen, one time I, when I was at Chelsea lately, I went on it 
because we were like doing a topic on it. And I put in my zip code and I did not put my any photo of me and I did like a fake name. And it came back. So many men were ready to meet me. And all I did was put my real age, which at the time was like, whatever, 40 or something. Um, and that was it. Like, no one knew what I looked like or anything. And they're like, let's meet. And so I was like, oh my God. So of course I jumped off of it. Um, but basically that is what Kristen is saying is that her husband and his friends, that's what she said on my show, went on it as a joke. But when the girls start bringing up articles from the past, it's like there were 75 different exchanges with her husband's profile and other women. And But she says, whatever that was, they never met in person. He called himself the Mr. Big of New York City. And they keep bringing it up. And she's like, yeah, it was a problem. We went to therapy over it. That was eight and a half years ago. We're still married. None of you are. And a couple of the other women brought that up too. They were like, congrats to you staying married. Congrats to you working out an issue like this, whether it was an indiscretion or, you know, stage one of cheating. I don't know, but you did it. But as they all chose toast and cheer and she thinks she got out scot-free, they bring it up again at the dinner. And they're like, yeah, but you shouldn't be. You shouldn't be okay with it. Like Kelly Bessemone is like, you shouldn't be okay with it. She's like, I wasn't okay with it. I'm okay with, I'm good with my marriage now, eight years later. No, I wasn't happy with it when it happened eight years ago. Like she handled herself really, really well. And the fact that all the women are divorced, Ramona alludes to having a boyfriend and her whole face lights up. Ramona's being pretty nice right now. Besides being really hungry once and letting the staff know that she was starving, pretty good so far and pretty fun and pretty nice. Um, Kelly Bessimone, by the third episode, is starting to show Scary Island Kelly in which Dorinda watches it. It is, I'm just telling you guys, it is so fun. And it just like, it, especially if it's like cold where you are and then you snuggle in your bed on an afternoon and you watch a few of these episodes, highly recommend. And I think they should do these with like the OGs of OC, the OGs of New Jersey, the OGs of Atlanta, like that's the OGs of Beverly Hills. I like that these people have history and I like that we're only focusing on their city and not all these other cities. So that's my suggestion. Um, meanwhile, Brandy Glanville is not happy. She is tweeting things saying like, because we don't know if we're ever going to see her episode of Ultimate Girls Trip where she allegedly kissed and groped Caroline Manzo and also where she's being accused by some waiter that she grabbed his shirt and sexually harassed him. She is like, no, I, I hate being the scapegoat. Stop it. These producers, when we were in Morocco, which is the one we we have not, we may never see with Caroline, they're encouraging us to drink and all this stuff. I just don't think anybody cares. I think the, uh, the reality reckoning, Hulu doc, literally not even Bethany is promoting that anymore. In fact, Bethany Frankel in the past week has said, um, I really love Andy. We had such a great friendship. I, I adore him and like giving suggestions. So she's like, okay, this last four months of this did not work out. And now let me slowly weasel my way back in to maybe go do an ultimate girls trip or something. This must be killing her that this is doing so well and everybody's enjoying it. That's my opinion. On Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, it's getting really good. It's always so fun. Sutton celebrated her store. And um, 
And Anne-Marie, who is an anesthesiologist nurse, says, I don't believe what you're saying that you have that you eat um, less food because you have a narrow esophagus. That's just not true. It's not, and she's just attacking her, going after her. And Sutton is like, am I at a doctor's appointment right now? Do you need my health insurance card? I have a PPO. I don't mean to brag. I'm like, what is this? And everyone's like, mm. so a lot of people didn't like the new girl, Anne-Marie, for that. And Tiffany Moon, who is an a anesthesiologist, an actual doctor of it, went to her Instagram and said, no, what Sutton is saying is true. What Anne-Marie is saying as a nurse is not cool. She's weaponizing her medical um, education or you know experience in the wrong way on a reality show when you don't know it. And yes, what Sutton was saying is true. Some people do have a narrowing of the esophagus and you can go in and expand it. And then Eric Jane is like, well, that explains it. Why she's single. Girl can't give a proper blowjob. Too, too small of an esophagus. Guess what? Guess I have a big one. It's expensive to be me. I've got the, I've got the circumference of an esophagus that only men would dream about. That's right. Come see me on Bedded on Blonde last show this weekend, baby. Um, and then um, Dorit came over and was accusing Crystal of talking about Sutton because Sutton's like, I don't like that you guys talked about that I drink too much because it might affect my $300,000 of tax-free spousal support and child support that I get a month. And without that, I am a struggling single mother just trying to get this Beverly Hills West Hollywood store off the ground. So don't like get it so people think I'm not a good parent because I don't drink. I don't drink that much. I had my first cocktail while that nurse was telling me that my esophagus narrowing is a lie. And I don't like that. I was trying to sell some really great Sutton gifts for the holiday season. And I don't need to think about the fact that I don't swallow or don't give incredible blowjobs. Thank you, Erica Jane. Thank you for also commenting on how I might perform. Amazing. So funny. So great. And then in Aspen, everybody's there. Kendall Jenner's there without Bad Bunny. But Mauricio is there with some new girl just going to dinner. It might be nothing, but they went to dinner and she's some cute brunette who is a influencer. A lot of people are concerned that Mark Zuckerberg is building some $150 billion trillion um, home and bunker underneath on this island in Hawaii, meaning so if the our continent just goes to dust, he'll be the only one living. So either make friends with him or make friends with uh, Lauren Sanchez, who's marrying Jeff Bezos, because she's got a bunch of hot friends that she took on the yacht to celebrate her pre-birthday. And I, that's someone you want to be friends with when the world ends. Absolutely. So call me Lauren. All right, you guys, everybody go to heathermcdonald.net. That is where you join my Patreon and I'll be doing, dropping good stuff all throughout the end of the year as always. Also, my merch is there if you want to get any of my great sayings, hats, cups, juicy scoops, slides. Um, all of it is there at heathermcdonald.net. And now for my interview with Christine from Sister Wives, wife number three, no more. And she's now a newlywed. So juicy, so good. I am so excited. You guys have known how much I've wanted to talk to this reality star, this woman, this mom, this newlywed. It is Christine from Sister Wives. Fresh off, we just all saw the fourth episode of the one-on-ones. 
I'm so excited to talk to you, Christine. Welcome. Uh, Heather, I'm so excited to talk to you too. I am so honored. It was so much fun meeting you with the variety thing. And it's an absolute treat. The day, a couple of days after I got back, David was like, oh my gosh, you've got to listen to this. And you were talking about meeting me. And it was such an honor. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Um, well, I'm so excited. I have been really into your show, probably like the last four or five years. I ne- I did not watch it in the very beginning. I really started watching once you were in Las Vegas in the mm. cul-de-sac. Yeah. But I first just want to get a little history. So for, I mean, anybody who listens to Juicy Scoop knows the story, your story, but you guys have done 17 or 18 seasons of yeah. the show. And you were wife three to Cody Brown. There yes. was Mary, Janelle, you, and then after you came Robin. Mm-hmm. And so you came, did you come from polygamy? You're, I, yeah. Yeah, I did. I am um, religious wise. I was in a church that polygamy was one of the tenets of the faith. And it's not Mormons. It's a fundamentalist Mormon is what the church was called. Not, not Mormons at all. Um, but that was just part of our faith was to live plural marriage. And so it was just natural for me to know that I wanted to live it. And I truly did really want to be a third wife. I thought that would just be the best. I thought well, I got by myself was just way too much work. And then being a second wife, I didn't want to do that because I felt like it would be a wedge in between the married couple and nobody wants to be a wedge. So I really felt like a third wife would be the best and it'd be the easiest. And I was totally just down with being the third wife. And, but my dad, I, anyway, back up a little bit. My dad married my other mom when I was five and I remember their wedding. I had a beautiful dress and she's been part of my life ever since. Like my mom left my dad and left the religion and everything when I was 19, but I still stayed in the church and I still wanted to live polygamy even back then. So was your mom the first wife? My mom was the first wife, yes. And then when she left, my dad didn't remarry another wife. So she, he and my other mom are still together. And like she was at my wedding. You'll see her as well when you see it. Um, yeah, I be- yeah, she is in the wedding episode. Did your mom um, stay close to wife number two? No, no, uh-uh. It's, um, they're okay now. Like it took them several years just because it's hard. It's, it's splitting up both the whole family in a way too. And so it was just difficult. Um, but they never like fought before or anything like that. When my mom left, it was a big shock to everybody. Like I had no idea that she wasn't happy or anything. Um, but they, she, she left when you were 19 Mm -hmm. and then when did you, meet Cody and the family? I met Cody when I was 18. I met Cody. He was only married to Mary when I met him. It was just out of high school that I met him. And we just hung out. We just had a good time with each other. We, um, I know he, we went to Wyoming. He's from Wyoming. So we all went up to see his family in Wyoming. And we just hung out a lot for like three and a half years. We just hung out. And then in that meantime, um, he married Janelle. And then we were just really good friends. And then like a couple years into it, I'm like, you know what? He's the coolest guy that I know. And he's really awesome. And um, I loved how strong and independent he was. And he wouldn't just go um, by the book. He would really research things out himself. And he wasn't a follower. He was a leader and he was a doer. And I really liked that about him. 
So it was easy. It was easy to just, he was just the best guy that I knew. So when you tell your mom, who now at this time is divorced from your dad, no longer in a polygamous marriage, and you said, mom, I think I found the family I want to join as a third wife. What was her opinion? So she knew Cody already. Like she'd known Cody. Like I kept in contact with my mom, even when she left and she knew Cody and she liked Cody and she'd met Mary and Janelle as well. She went Janelle by then. It might've been later that she met Janelle. Um, but no, she really liked Cody. So I didn't know that she wasn't really in favor of me living polygamy until I left Cody. She, oh. and then she told me and she was like, I'm like, well, how did you feel about me? And I asked her, I'm like, when I first told her that I was going to leave Cody, um, she's like, yeah, she was playing me just hard. And when you married Cody, I'm like, wait, 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 what? And she was sad. She was sad that I was marrying Cody. She was sad that I was going to live plural marriage, but she knew that it's what I wanted. So she supported me. And I never knew that she felt differently. She was just a little bit heartbroken that I was going to live plural marriage because it was so hard on her. It was just hard on her. And she was sad. And she really felt like it wasn't a lifestyle that honored women and respected women enough. And so for her, she thought that it just, that I wouldn't thrive in it because I was already just strong and independent at that point. I think it's, totally fascinating and i'm totally fascinated to have enjoyed and watched it for so many reasons and analyzed it and compared it to my own marriage of 23 years which is a traditional marriage and seen and joked about it in my stand-up of why you'd want a sister wife and like at a certain point do you really care if he's over at somebody else's house like you know it's nice having your own bedroom and watching your own shows and like i so i I got it. Um, but I wonder, like, oh, I have so many questions. But one is we see your <laughs> wedding photo. Yeah. And he's wearing this white suit. Tuxedo. Did yeah. he wear that white tuxedo for any other weddings? No, that was a rental. Okay. It was a tuxedo rental. And whenever I look at that dress now, I'm like, oh my God. I don't even know. When David looks at that dress, he's like, wow, babe. I'm like, stop it. Don't talk to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I liked it then. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So last night in the episode, we see that he goes, well, my mistake, it's my fault that this marriage ended, thinking he's finally going to take some responsibility of saying, like, I didn't honor her. I, you know, she always had to be the happy, fun one and and supportive, yet I could be an unsupportive asshole anytime I wanted. Like, I get it now. He says, well, it's my fault because I married a woman I didn't love. I know. Heather, we were just talking about this morning. David and I just barely said the exact same conversation that we are having right now. We're like, there we are waiting for this like epiphany. Yeah, finally. Yeah. My family better. I should have, you know, spent more because at the beginning, before Robin came along, I really feel like he was very equal with his time. I really felt like he was. And then Robin came along and I think he finally found the love of his life. And he's like, anyway, whatever, whatever. Um, But yeah, no, we were just talking about that. And like, how, why can't he just admit that he used to love me? I don't know. But I really feel like he used to love me. I'm The thing is, is when I read the book, I found out in the book that he said he didn't love me at the beginning of our marriage. And that's when I was like, excuse me, what? And we had a I, lot of conversations after that, for sure. That was where the, the where he described the nacho scene. Oh, gosh. That you were eating nachos and he was extremely turned off by you I eating know. the nachos. I know, and I didn't so- know. 
And so you're reading that, like, what the hell? And now you're how many years into the television show? 14 years. Truly is 13. And I was pregnant with her. Um, and I gave birth to her on episode four. That still is one of my favorite episodes. I do have to say we watch it on her birthday quite frequently. So when the show started, it started with you guys having Robin about to join. We never mm-hmm. saw a season without Robin. Right. She like episode two. She's in episode two, right at the very, very beginning. She um, was part of our family. So when when she first started talking, coming into the family, it was around the same time that the producer and uh, and we were having a conversation about doing the show. So we talked with her. Excuse me, I'm getting a tissue. I'm so sorry. We talked with her about it too. And she, it took her a while, you know, it's a lot, it's a lot to process. And we'd already been thinking about it for a little while, but she agreed to be part of the show as well. But it was the same time that we went public. So she was on board the whole time. And let's talk a little bit about that. So you're living your life. You're, you're married at this point for how many years before you guys start discussing doing a reality show? It was about 15, 14 years. We started, Oh, My screen went dark. Sorry. So about 14 years, we started discussing it. So I was involved in a group of people who represented polygamy to the outside world. So there was like a couple people from each of the polygamous sects in Utah. And we would go and speak to hospitals and the news and different channels. We were on BBC. We were on different things. And then we did like a pilot show for in New York. So we had done some things. And so, um, I was contacted through that, our producer now, he contacted me and we started talking and then I referred him to Cody and they started talking about doing a show. And so he just wanted a documentary. And it's like, look, when you're a polygamist, you can't just do a documentary <clears throat> showing your whole polygamist life because it was a felony back then. And I'm like, we'll lose our jobs. You, you can't do that. So me going public by myself was fine. I wasn't, I never used my last name or anything like that. But us going public as a family, we would have lost our jobs. And we did. I mean, we had to move because of the threat of like the state threatened or like the county threatened us. So then when you, okay, so what was your relationship with reality TV growing up? Did you watch real world? Did you, did you guys enjoy reality TV? Were you a fan of it? Did you think of what it would mean to be on a show? I mean, you probably didn't think it would go 17 years, but like, what was your, like, how much did you guys really discuss what this would mean to you? We didn't know. I went in without real, I didn't know anything. I didn't really watch a lot of reality TV. We'd watched American Idol. Um, But that was about it. We loved American Idol. But no, I never watched really much of anything. And um, like, we were pretty we were blown away. It was overwhelming, overwhelming that people accepted us. Heather, honestly, we were really putting ourselves out there because to us, the whole outside world was scary. Like monogamous were all scary. Everybody was scary because I was raised to believe that if people in the outside world knew that I was a polygamist, my dad would be arrested and he would be taken away from us and we'd never have my dad in our life again. And I was growing up, I was raised with that, with thinking the outside world was scary. Even though I was raised with so much love, oh my gosh, I had the best childhood. And it was, I had so much fun. And raising our kids was fun. Oh my gosh, I loved it. Um, but at some point you realize, anyway, we just didn't know. We didn't know. So we started the show 
And I remember one time we're out to eat at a restaurant and I went to the bathroom in the bathroom and a lady came in and she followed me to the bathroom and she's like, I'm a Mormon. And I was really opposed to your show because I found, I thought that you guys were an abomination. So I wasn't going to watch your show, but then I was sick and I started watching, clicking channels and I bumped into your show and I started watching it and I couldn't believe your guys' family. And I think you guys are amazing. And the way that you raise your kids is beautiful. And the way that you problem solve is beautiful. And I love how you talk through things. And now it's a family show and we watch it every Sunday. And I went back to the table and I'm like, you guys have to believe what just happened to me. Uh, And I told everybody, and I've just been blown away by the support so much support and so many people that have reached out and said that our, you know, something that we did or said touched their life and touched their soul and helped them. How overwhelming is that? I don't know if it's like any other reality TV show. I don't know. I just know my experience and it has been humbling because people are always like, what you said touched my soul, what you said inspired me. And it's been, it's been overwhelming completely. So the show starts and how many seasons are you, where are you before you moved to the Las Vegas cul-de-sac? Um, the, the Las Vegas was season two. Oh, so that was very soon. So maybe mm-hmm. I have been watching the whole thing. You have, to me, so, yeah, so to I, me, I thought the Las Vegas cul-de-sac was the most perfect situation for everybody because you were close and you had your own house mm-hmm. and it was easy for him to get around and the kids could just walk across the street, but yeah. you still had your own privacy. So what was so confusing to me is why did you go, Why? who found Coyote Pass and why did you think Flagstaff <laughs> was where you should go? I know, right? Oh, gosh. Oh, you know, maybe it was season three. Doesn't matter. No, yeah. Doesn't matter. Okay, so we still don't really know why we moved from the cul-de-sac. I swear, I don't know all the way. My kids still ask and I, Aspen still. She's like, why in the world did you move? And I'm like, I don't even really know, to be completely honest. It, like, Cody, I was, he started talking about how it was unsafe for our kids. I'm like, my kids, they thrive here. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, but it was more like uh, it was going to happen. And so being a team player, you know, I'm just like, well, okay, I guess we're going to move. And then we went to Flagstaff. Cody and I went, we drove there, and he's like, you got to see Flagstaff. It's amazing. And he and Janelle had been there before, I guess. And we went to the property at Coyote Pass and I'm like, yes, we, I felt like once we saw, once I saw Coyote Pass, I felt like in the cul-de-sac, yes, it looked like it was perfect, but we were already really broken there. Um, I felt like our lives were very separate in the cul-de-sac, even though we were right there, we could, it was just very separate. Like I lived a very separate life with my children in, in, in Las Vegas. And I felt like Coyote Pass was going to be a restarting for us. And we were going to go there and we were going to all move on to the property. And finally, we were going to be like one family. It really was going to be very uniting. That's really what I thought Coyote Pass. So to me, it was a beautiful restart that our family really needed because I didn't think that Las Vegas, it just, we just felt very broken and disjointed in Las Vegas. But guess what? It didn't really work like that when we moved to Flagstaff. Yeah. I mean, it got way worse because you didn't have houses to move on to. So now you're living in three different houses that aren't close together and you're becoming more and more separate. Yeah. And, um, and then like, when did you start to, well, one thing I was going to say about watching sister wives is I feel like you were 
in in believing in the fundamentals of polygamy as a woman, it's like the ultimate um, lesson in selflessness. Yes. You are to be selfless. Mm-hmm. And you, you know, you shouldn't be jealous. You, sh- you, know, je- you know, you shouldn't be jealous. You shouldn't think about yourself. It's ultimate selflessness. And so I feel like that moment when he marries Robin and they decide with Mary, Mary, you need to give up your legal marriage so that he can legally marry Robin because she has kids he needs to adopt. And your child is whatever, almost over 18 and it won't affect that person, you know, her child, it won't affect your child. So I felt like when she did that as a sister wife, she was, whether she meant or not as a viewer, that was the ultimate martyr move. Like I will, I, I'm now like, I grew up Catholic. So it was like nuns were, and I remember being a young girl being like, feeling guilty that I didn't want to be a nun. Because it was taught like the nuns are the most selfless, fabulous, you know, uh-huh. da, da, da. and I was like, well, maybe after I get married and have kids and my husband dies, then I'll be a nun. Would that be good enough? Like that was just in my head. My parents weren't making me be a nun. But I think when you're sometimes fed this thing and as a girl, you want so bad to be good. Yeah. I want to be a good girl. I want to not bother anyone. I want to be seen as easygoing, this and that. And it's like the last person you're putting on your priority list is yourself. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, I felt like that. So first, let me just clarify too. Yeah. I don't know what conversations Mary and Cody and Robin had right. about divorcing and all of that. Mary says it was her idea to do the divorcing. I don't know, but I agree with you. Even as a, like that it wasn't my choice to do. I was, overwhelmed. I was over like overwhelmed. I it was blown away. I was blown away that she would divorce Cody legally in order for him to marry Robin. I thought it was the absolute ultimate selfless move. I thought it was so beyond sweet of her and amazing of her. And I, I, I just thought it was amazing. So then I thought it was just super, super cool because you you are right. It is team player more than anything. Um, that's why leaving was super difficult too, because my whole identity wasn't just a wife. If anything, to me, wife was secondary. First of all, I was a mom to all of these kids. I was a mom to 18 kids and everything that I did involved all of the kids and the whole family. And so I family parties, family get togethers, when my friends came over, everything that I did was all about everybody. And I didn't understand, like, I remember one point when Robin first came into the into the family, she started talking about, she goes, because you guys are a couple and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, what do you mean a couple? And she goes, well, you guys are all couples. And I said, no, we're not couples. And, and she goes, well, no, Cody and I, because she was saying that her and Cody were a couple and stuff. I'm like, there's no couples in our family. I don't know what you mean. And she goes, well, you and Cody are a couple. I'm like, no, we're not. We're not a couple. That's not what it is. You're a fan. We're a family. And so the whole couple mentality was something I didn't even begin to understand, didn't even grasp it because it was so far out of my thinking because it really was about making sure that everybody's needs were met and the whole family had this amazing experience and all everything that I could do to make sure that everybody was happy and had fun. So when you did, when you did the schedule and you had your whatever, one or two nights with Cody, Mm -hmm. would you look forward to it? Would you dread it? when did you stop caring about it? Like, I kind of wonder, like, 
Was there a time where you were like, it's fine. Your babies are little. Stay with Robin. Like, it, you know, because there's women in traditional marriages um, that know that their man steps out and they're like, I'll just put the blinders on because I don't really care. I'm happy to have the time alone. Like, I wonder if at a certain point, because that was always the case, you really had like no jealousy and started to care less and less and less. So it's like reverse. So when I was first married, I'd say for the first 15 years, I didn't really care. And my needs were being met. He was around a, a lot of the time. He was more fair with his time. And I didn't really care. And when he wasn't around, I'd be like, oh, man, I can watch whatever shows I want. And I loved it when he wasn't around. But then when he was around, I loved that, too. And then Robin came into the family and everything just became all about Robin. Um, and I really thought that would decrease. Like, of course, at first, he's going to go over at her house more. I remember what it was like to have newborn babies. When you have a baby, that baby takes up all of your time. And you spend all your time with that baby. And the other kids kind of get neglected a bit. And you don't mean to. And you do everything that you can to make sure that they aren't neglected. But it's just going to happen. So I just figured it was like that a little bit. But that didn't even out. And he would come over in the evenings. Like, he's always adamant. He always says, I was very fair with my schedule. He was over at my house in the beginning, one out of every four nights. And then when Mary, he stopped going to Mary's house, it was one of every three nights. Yes, he was there in the nights. Yes, for sure. So after six o'clock, he would walk right in. It's just that we saw his car parked over at Robin's house. So we knew he was in the cul-de-sac and we didn't really, I didn't understand why he couldn't spend anyway. Blah, blah, whole big thing. But I really just... I started to like it less and less and become frustrated. And then when we moved to, it's like through the cul-de-sac. When we lived in the cul-de-sac, he would come over and sometimes I would be so mad because he like, it was a Saturday. So why couldn't he come over during the day on Saturday? I knew he wasn't working, you know, but he still would only appear at six o'clock at night. So it's like, okay, whatever. So once you realize that you don't really matter, then his time became something that was really frustrating to me. And then we moved to Flagstaff and we were in Flagstaff for about six months. I would say, let's see, about six months when I started just being like, you know what? I'm done waiting for him. I'm done waiting. I'd been waiting for him for 10 years to go do things, to go have to activities, to travel with us, to hang out with us. And I realized he just wasn't going to be part of our life. So I started just doing things without him. We went kayaking every like at least once a week. We went hiking all the time. I started going on trips without him. And I became so much more independent when Flagstaff when I realized, you know what? He's chosen. He's chosen Robin and he's just going to stay there. So, so I then let's just have, have fun. Yeah. Have fun. So let's, let's go to the moment where he does the big presentation of the, of the one house of the one house. And Janelle's like, I'm down. Robin's like, great. And you are just livid. Like, absolutely not. Yeah. And at that point, were you thinking, were you just imagining what it would be like to be trapped in a house with all these people? Or were you like, I know I, I know I got to leave. I just don't know when. Like, where, where was your mind when you saw that big house? Because I thought that was like the uh, first time that we really that saw. That terrible. Sorry, my phone. Oh, sorry. That was the time I felt as if you were that, like, that you were just like, no. And I was like, no. wait a minute. Like, what do we not know as yeah, the viewer? Right. I thought I would be trapped and it would be great. I now would be able to be in a house where 
Cody would never come to my part of the house. Maybe he'd come there to sleep, but that would be it. So we're going to see even less of him in one house because I'm going to be honest with you. He's always going to be at Robin's house then. Why would he ever be in mine? Why He's always going to stay in his part of his house. And what we suddenly start going visiting him in his part of the house, that's what I imagine it would be like. And I'm like, my part of the house anything rather than just a little tiny place for him to stop over occasionally. I just knew it wouldn't be a good idea. And my kids afterwards were like, please don't do that. We don't live with you anymore, but please do not do that. And I'm like, no, do no, not, do not accept the large house. Do not accept the whole big one house because to them, when they lived in one house before it was just crowded, there wasn't a lot of room and um, Cody was around all the places all the time and having like individual time. I just felt like I wasn't really in the end. I just didn't feel like I had, like I was a wife. I didn't feel like I was a wife. And so one house meant to me that I wouldn't be seen as a wife. I would just be like a stop. And so that's, I, so do you feel like that was kind of your aha moment? Because then you still played a lot, like, yeah, you still played along a little bit. And then you guys talked your individual lots. And then COVID happened. Not leaving. I didn't think I would be leaving back then. Okay. No, wait. uh, Vaguely, I guess. Maybe vaguely it was like, then I'd never be able, yes, you know what? A little bit. It was vaguely was like, well, then I'd never be able to leave because I'd never have anything in my name Mm. so I could leave and have something in my name for like my legacy or what I was going to do with my next life. But leaving wasn't a concrete thought. It was only this idea of leaving. So um, the lots at Coyote Pass, once Cody was like, well, we can't put you with that lot. Because we before we kind of talked about different lots that we wanted. And I picked a lot and I really loved that lot. And then our next family meeting, he's like, you don't get that lot. You're going to have to have another lot. And I'm like, so you've totally displaced me now. I don't even have a place anymore here. But the final thing for me was like Isabel surgery. That was like, yeah. done. That was like absolute, that was it. I'm like, Mm, you can't because he said to her he goes I can't leave my family for that long and afterwards Isabel goes I thought we were family I thought he was my dad so if he can't leave he can't be with us because he has to stay with his family what does that mean what am I and she was like how can I be really what am I so I was like oh we're done I can't be married to a guy who doesn't respect us as his family and thinks of somebody else as his family. If he thinks that someone else is his family, why is he still married to me? Why is he still pretending that polygamy works if he can't leave his family to be with his daughter? And I just didn't understand that. It was only four. So it was a total of like three and a half weeks that we were gone. Three and a half weeks. It's like less than a month. A month. Let's just say a month. It would have been a month. And I think that's what happens with a lot of women in in traditional marriage is you um, you're like, well, I can I can continue on not having any romance. I can continue on not having sex, not being loved, you know, because he's such a great dad. Mm -hmm. But then when you are faced with the fact that this is not a parental move that you respect, in fact, you're like very disturbed by it and you're own child you can't even protect your own child from knowing the truth mm-hmm. is when i think you were like then what is the point what the yeah, hell no. am i doing yeah um 
you know, so I, th- yeah, I definitely saw that in, in watching it, that that was like a moment. Now you said when he's not working, what does Cody do when he's not filming the show? I don't know. I don't know. He's not at my house, girl. No idea. So you don't know what, what no. job this is. If no, there is he runs one. amok all the time. He's very disorganized and he just runs amok. I have no idea what he does. I'm sure maybe I don't, mm, I, I don't know. My favorite part him, was, was during no. COVID when you were like, what does the does nanny the nanny do? do? What yeah, does the nanny me. do? And we I was like, also- what does Cody do? It's what I was thinking. Yeah. Bro, we don't know. Like, yeah. I have no idea. I have no idea. You know, after Isabel's surgery, too, we had a fateful conversation about intimacy. And he even admitted he's like, we're not going to have an intimate marriage anymore. We're not having sex anymore. Nothing like that. And blah, blah. I'm like, okay. So awesome. how many how many years had it been since you guys even attempted to like have intercourse when you had that conversation? Well, it was like five times in one year, like a couple years before that. So it was like teetering off to so, and then it had been a couple years. Then it was like done. And I'm like, I can't. Why? Why are we? And so it was more like, you know what? Maybe eventually things will get better and stuff. Maybe it will get better. And then we have that conversation. I'm like, oh, thank you. I guess we're not going to pretend anymore. That works for me. Like it had been just months. It hadn't been a couple of years. Um, but it was so few and frequent. Does it really matter? Kind of a thing, you know. It just yeah. the thing is, is this too? There's sex, and then there's intimacy. And right. what we didn't have was intimacy, even though we'd have like the act. The intimacy with it was gone. So the intimacy itself had been gone for years, years. And when you don't have the real wonderful conversations and heartfelt moments where. You just sit and you be with that person and you really have a soul connection and this deep level of love. That is what we didn't have for years. And finally, he said he wasn't interested. And I'm like, oh, I guess we're being honest. Awesome. So next time he came over, I'm like, you're done. You're not sleeping in my bed anymore. I'm through with this. I don't care where you sleep. It doesn't matter to me. And I started boxing up the stuff. And that was awesome. That day was a great day. And so, you know, as a viewer, we're all like, why wouldn't Robin be thrilled with this? Why wouldn't Robin be thrilled with now I can have, I, he, you know, we don't have to hide it anymore. He doesn't have to pretend that he wants to go over to the other wife's houses because we really are each other's like soulmates. And the fact that she was so, so upset about you leaving and then Janelle not being happy and then Ro- and then Mary being the last one. I I think as a viewer, you're like, is she crying because this could affect the future of the show, which is, you know, what, what we're all doing here as a career. Two, also, is it that, you know, she doesn't want him around all the time. She wants to share the burden of Cody's personality with three other women. And then well, she hasn't shared that for a long time, but you can go ahead yeah. and finish. Go ahead. No, no. But I said, or the third is just like, um, she doesn't want the world to think that she was the catalyst. Like she was like, I think so much often people in watching it were like, she's keeping him. It's their weird COVID rules. She's saying that she has the younger kids. So she's keeping him from the other kids. And I think. She oh she wanted to make sure that everyone saw no look she's the one that's the most upset that these marriages are ending, 
So she must not be the selfish one because sister wives are all about being selfless, you know? I don't know if she ever, I think she really wanted to, I looked at the episodes last night, of course, I, I watch them too. And I remember watching me going, um, I don't think she wanted to be a sister wife. And I would say at the beginning, I'm sure she did. And I think she had this ideal and situation that she wanted. And I'm sure she wanted to be a sister wife. And I'm sure she wanted the whole family. But I don't know if she knew how to go about it. You can't just know that you put all these expectations on your husband, that he has to be around and he's got to help with the kids and stuff. And this thing, I'm making so many assumptions, Heather. So yeah. many assumptions because I don't know what conversations are like in her head. Thank God I don't have to live in her head. Um, I don't know how she feels. I have no idea. She says that she wants to live plural marriage, but I didn't see enough proof of that with my own eyes to know, to believe her that she wanted to live it because I couldn't monopolize Cody. I didn't want to. He was a lot of work, by the way. And I'm sure part of her is like, holy, what am I going to do with him full time? I'm sure that's part of it. Um, or maybe it's not. I love having David around full time. I love it. So maybe they have something different in their home. Maybe they have absolute magic. And I don't know why she can't just be happy and be okay. I found out last night that she wants me to go up to her verbally and say, you can have him. And I'm like, girl, it's never going to happen. I don't know what you're talking like about. Like off camera. I'm like, so what? You've said it here to the she world. She wants us to go say to her off camera, your majesty, you may have him now. No, it's never going to happen. Yeah. What I thought was interesting is when they had that conversation with Mary I know. And, and then she was like, Cody feels one way. I feel different. It was so strange because it's like, and then, and then Mary would be like, yeah, but you don't even want to hang out with me. Like you don't bring the kids around. You're not like, so it's not like, what are you talking about? You're going to leave. We have breakfast together every Sunday, Wednesday nights, you take the kid to dance. Like it wasn't like they had stuff they were going on. No. And then this was the part I thought was most interesting when he says to her, he's getting annoyed with Robin and Cody goes, you, you, we made a commitment to each other where you said, where, where Robin said to Cody, let me know when you stop loving me. Now, as a woman who's been married for 23 years, and I certainly don't have a perfect marriage, but I certainly didn't enter the marriage saying, let me know when you're tired of this. Because oh. I went in with the confidence of knowing like, we're in love. And why would you ever stop loving the greatest woman that's walked on earth, right? Yeah, girl. <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> I think that's really weird that she had ever said that to him. And that tells me that she entered this covenant or whatever, feeling insecure, whether that's a polygamous move or not. It wasn't a normal thing that I think people say when they're entering a marriage. Let me no. know I'm tired of this. I like, had no idea that conversation took place until I watched that too. Yeah. I was like, oh, because well, I remember back in Vegas, I remember exactly where I was because it shocked me so bad. We were standing in my bathroom. We had these huge bathrooms in Vegas. It was beautiful. He was standing in the closet and he goes, I want you to know if you ever want to leave. I don't want it to be a fight. I don't want us to fight. I want you to be able to leave peacefully. And I'm all, I mean, at that point, our marriage was pretty rocky. So I was furious. And I'm like, so we're not worth fighting for. You wouldn't want to be like, girl, we can make this work. Nothing like that. You would just be like, go, you can go ahead and leave. You can leave anytime. If you want to leave, I'll make it peaceful for you. You know, and 
No, I got furious at him. I was so mad. Why would you say that? We're already struggling. Why wouldn't you say you would want to hold on to this and, and we're worth fighting for? No, I was furious. And then now I'm like, oh, so I, I don't know. The conversations, all of the agreements, they made agreements. That became a word that was used a lot when Robin started coming into the family. It was the word agreements. They made agreements like he would promise to do this if she did this and promise to do this. And it was really a lot of negotiations that they had. And that must have been one of their negotiations. And I'm like, well, once you stopped being in love with me, I would have loved to have been let go. You know, I'm just saying. Know. You know, I'm I sure think that's so. Thing. I think that's so interesting that he said that because you're Me right. Too. If somebody's right. in a marriage where they say to the other person, "Hey, if you want to go, like I'll be cool," I know it's probably because they really aren't really in love. Because they're like, I'm, could you please be the one, and then we can be cool together? Because I know if I try to leave, yes. you're going to make my life living hell. So well, I'm letting you. Yeah, so I'm like, that's where you're like, what? But that should be a sign that that you got to work on it because one person kind of has one foot out the door. It's like leaving a job, you know, when you kind of know your employee has one foot out the door or whatever. It's like the same thing. Like we, you, you've kind of shown your cards that you're not as into this as you were previously. So like, I, I I'm not going to ignore this. And sometimes I think people are like, what? And I, I think with um. I think with her, like, I just, it's just, it's just really kind of like fascinating. It was, it's just fascinating to watch of like what their thing is. And now I think she's just like, I really do think she wanted to sit on the porch and be old and, but still know that she's fine because she knows that he loved her the most. So she's like, I don't want you guys all to leave because I like the idea and I like all the kids being around and I love my kids having like, you know, 20 siblings, but like, where is it? And so then when he says to you, um, when you finally say, okay, I'm leaving and he's so angry about it. He's so angry that you left because I felt like you cracked the code of like, you, you, you cracked it open of like this, it does, this doesn't work. This thing that you've put out there, this polygamous doesn't work. So what I found interesting is that when you do finally say I'm moving on, it was like, he was so angry. Cause he's like, you know, I, I never loved you. And, but I still placated this fake marriage and did this facade. And I'm so mad that you're respecting yourself to leave. And then she just kept being like, you can work on it. Why is it? And it's like, I just don't understand why she, and I still felt it last night. Like she doesn't get that. Like you guys weren't happy. The other women weren't happy and you deserve to be happy. Like she is. And I still felt like she didn't get it last night. I know. I, I don't think so either. I think there's some sort of uh, disconnect or I don't know what the deal is. I have no idea. I'm just so grateful I don't live in her mind because I think she must be very, very, very sad to see everything just kind of crumble around her and realize that she's powerless to hold it all together. She doesn't have what it takes to hold it all together. She doesn't. And I think that she just must feel like she's losing such a thing that could have been so beautiful. And I went through that grieving process five years ago. I saw that there's nothing that I could do to hold everything together. And even though I was grasping and grasping, and I remember thinking if I did this and this and this and this and this, then our family would be okay and it would be okay. And it was okay for a little bit longer again. And then 
um, I just realized I was the only one putting in effort and doing things together. I thought that's how I felt. I'm sure everybody feels the same, you know, but I think that it's just got to be hard to be in her shoes and realize that she doesn't have the power to hold the family together. And I don't know. I don't talk to her. I honestly don't. So when Mary, when he said last night, Mary found Robin, you guys, you had been living together, you know, been living as a family with just the three wives and Cody. When, so for like 13 years, nobody talked about bringing on a fourth wife. How did this come about then? So on and off, we did talk about uh, bringing in another wife. There was a couple of times where another woman was interested in joining the family. And like one of the women that were interested was just interested in a relationship with Cody alone. And I'm like, nah, that's not going to work for us. Um, And then there was another woman who was interested and that one going all right. But then all of a sudden that was shut down. So that was over. But we were interested in, um, there was another couple of, of women that wanted to join our family that we talked to for a bit, but it was just something when you live plural marriage, you're never really do you ever done. Wonder, you know, there can do you ever wonder about those other, do you ever wonder about those other women? Like what if Yeah, that was the yeah. one that you yeah. pushed for yeah. where things could have gone? I know. I know. I don't know. There was a woman that he was interested in. He was even like engaged to, and he called off the wedding before he was only married to Mary. And then he, there was this other woman that he dated and I wasn't a big fan of hers. And so I was like, well, if he marries her, I'm not going to marry him. That's all that comes down to. And he called off the wedding like a week before they got married. And then I was like, oh, I guess I could marry Cody again. You know what I mean? It does make a difference. Like the women make a big difference. Yes. So, um, so you, you, you're, you got married. We're, we loved meeting yeah. your husband now. We're going to see the wedding. And I do love that moment last night when you're like, when I'm alone with David and I feel so connected. And then you were like, now I get it. Now I get why he wanted to stay there, what their connection was. And like, I think it's kind of, a you know, an epiphany for you too, of like, uh, and a selfless, you know, and being just honest, like it's not their fault that they had a stronger bond than, yeah. than you and he had. Like it's not. Yeah, I firmly and so no, to fake not. it, but like let's not fake it anymore. When yeah. you're only, you know, you still have. You, we might live till we're a hundred. You still have a whole nother half of your life to live. I know. I just want to be happy, and I want them to be so happy. And once I had that realization moment, I was like. Ah, then they probably felt trapped. And I wonder if Cody would have loved to have a conversation with us, something like, hey, I just met the love of my life and she's amazing. And we have this incredible bond. And I didn't realize that what we had wasn't as strong, but I, you know, still honor our relationship. But I wish, but maybe he didn't feel like that was even anything I don't know I don't know if even consciously he had that thought I think that he just thinks I wasn't in love with them now that he sees he's so in love with Robin I think that he was like I wasn't in love with them and I think that he was I remember feeling like he loved me I don't know but I Heather I was standing in my kitchen and just I realized I love David I know it was (laughs) such a crazy epiphany and it's going to be one of my favorite epiphanies I ever had because I let go of any anger or frustration because yeah. it wasn't their fault. Love just happens. 
But and it, but when I, it happens, you want to embrace it and just go forward and move forward in happiness. And I want them to move forward with happiness too and just go and live your life. But I think also the, how Cody treated you guys to get you to the place of leaving. A lot of men do that. A lot of men don't have the balls to say what they feel and break up. I saw something where this divorce attorney said she'd been an attorney for 30 years. She said only in two cases did a man file for divorce who didn't already have a woman lined up. But in like 80% of her cases where the woman filed, she had nobody lined up. She was just so sick of the husband. So I like, I do feel like men sometimes, you know, get to a point, whether it's conscious or not, to have the women sort of make the decision for them. So, you know, we can be mad at really? Cody, but I think a lot of people are can, can say, yeah, looking back at my own normal marriage, the husband treated me bad or the boyfriend or whatever, you know? I think what I went through was normal. What yeah. I went through with just mine and Cody's marriage was normal. Totally relatable. Was, I had to end it. He wasn't going to. For him, he would have just been like, eh. Here it is, and we're just going to keep on doing this, and that's all, you know. And so I think it is 100% relatable. I hear that all the time, like shopping at the store. You'd be surprised at how many women are like, my marriage was the exact same. And I didn't know. Like, I had no idea that what I had isolated was such a normal marriage for a dysfunctional marriage. I didn't know until I left and women started talking to me and resonating with it and being like, I left my husband too. And it's the exact same. I'm like, wait, what? And it was amazingly eye-opening and it does help you not be angry. I, well, I know yeah. you have to, I know you have to go and I loved meeting you. Um, oh, same. Are you at all close to the university of Utah? Yeah. Yeah. I'm right next to the university of Utah is probably 45 minutes away. Okay, well, I'm my son has been accepted and we are going oh, to go look at it. And so maybe we can make a plan to yeah. either do another podcast or just get together and like have dinner yeah. where the husbands can meet um, because Heck I thoroughly yeah. enjoy talking to you as just, a, a, you know, as a woman that I'm just glad you stuck up for yourself. I think you present yourself great. I love Sister Wives. I'll never stop watching the show. It's so different than Real Housewives or com competition shows or anything like that. And I'm excited. I hope the show continues on because I really want to see your journey in your own lives, in in maintaining your sister-wife relationship, whether it gets better or worse or takes a whole other direction. It's just fascinating. So I hope it, it continues on for a long time. And tell everybody where they can follow you if they aren't already. You got it. So like Instagram, I'm Instagram. It's Christine something Brown SW. Shoot, it's terrible. It's like Christine underscore Brown SW is where you can find my Instagram. And no, I am so overwhelmed. Thank you so much. I've loved talking to you. And I love hearing so many things that are normal because that's, I think, what you kind of live in a bubble a little bit. So thank you. Just talking about this has been really eye opening for me, too. And yeah, double date anytime. I'd be down. Awesome. I'm so happy for you. Thank you Thank again. You. Thank you. Take care. Okay. Thanks, Nicole. Tomorrow. Woo. That's so are you, are you good with, are you good with everything? I mean, we'll, we'll like clean it up where the little mistakes are, but like other than that, 
I felt the conversations, everything were great. And I feel like we got into a lot of things that, that a lot of people wondered about that we haven't known. So I'm excited for people to hear it. Thank you for being so respectful. I thought you really were very respectful and thank you so much. It was an absolute Oh, pleasure. always, always. I, yeah. It was amazing. I'm a dream to work. I'm a dream to work with. You are. And I would do a double date with you for sure. Awesome. Love to hear about things like that's just great. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. Thanks so much. Bye. Take care.